that down a little bit as much as I'm enjoying it a lot. Don't no idea what it is. Um, but I can tell you what time it is. It's uh, three o'clock on Sunday, October tenth. Yeah, and I am of course sitting in cell. Um and figured it's time to uh, get this started. The last one was uh finished Last podcast was finished in, uh, what's it, Annie, where's the place I went, Alice, uh, Mary, girl's name, you know. Uh, You can remember, I could look it up. Gosh. Anyway, I'm in my driveway. I've got, you know, I've talked about a neighbor who gets out with the, um, the hedge trimmer, the edger, the leaf blower, and it, I mean, his entire life is his fucking front lawn. I just do not get it. Like, what is, isn't there anything else in life that interests you? And the noise is just incredible. He, wait a minute. Gosh, it looks like he's going on to the neighbor's lawn, too. Yeah, he's, he's on the neighbor beside him. He's sort of trimming their lawn. Whoa. He's got three bags. He's coming back. Anyway, like it just the, the concept of a leaf blower drives me fucking nuts. It's it's a product that sells, right? Canadian Tire makes money. The manufacturers in China, wherever, make money. Uh, the extension cord people make money. Everybody makes money. Uh, the rake people aren't doing as well. But Jesus, you know, raking leaves used to be such a nice thing to do in the fall. Now you got this fucking machinery out in your neighborhood. And goddamn, and, he, and he's fanatical about it. Like, blowing every fucking leaf. Like, every other sidewalk, every other bit of the sidewalk on the whole street is just covered in leaves. Hey, you used to remember how much fun it was? Well, maybe you don't, but I do. Just to shuffle your feet through the leaves. Walking to school, shuffling your feet through the leaves, hearing the sound of them, hearing the crunch, kicking the leaves. And here he is. He's got a bald fucking patch of sidewalk in front of his house. Not a fucking single leaf because he's been at it for an hour with a fucking leaf blower. God damn it. Fuck, I'm going to close the goddamn window. Honestly, I'm angry. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's insane. 
All right, turn down this. Boy, didn't think I'd react quite that strongly, but Jesus Christ. It's Thanksgiving. <laughs> I should be grateful for good neighbors. I mean, he could be out there shooting guns, you know. Hey, guy's raking his lawn. Leave him alone. No, he's not raking it. He's blowing his lawn. Leave him alone. I mean, I don't say anything to him. I, I wouldn't want to cause any trouble or friction. It's his right, you know. But Jesus, man. I don't want to be like that. On the other hand, a lot of things about myself that could be better. I just had a tree guy come. So now we're into the meat of the podcast already. I had a tree guy come. Turns out he's a full-time city employee, and he's kind of doing this as a sideline. He's got his own little tree business. And um, stupid me. The guy, we scheduled the meeting sometime between 2 and 4. He said, well, I've got a newborn, and, uh, you know... Uh, Time is tight. So anyway, he showed up with his wife and the newborn baby, which was nice. I had a nice chat with him. But rather than me ask specific questions about, I asked him to come just give us a quote for what what had to be done to look at the tree. He made, he scribbled a number down. That was all, you know. But rather than me ask specific questions, well, what about this branch here? I just said, I ended up talking about, gee, the, my study tour business, the girls in Japan living there, my own kids born there. Where are they going to go see? Going to her in law, his in laws today, her in laws tomorrow, chatting with the wife. Uh, Yuki comes up, rolls in the grass. I'm talking about my cat, how he found us, talking about the cat out in the back deck. I'm talking about everything. I'm taking up his time, my time, because I asked him to come over. I waited indoors for him to come here. Actually, I waited in the road trek. It was nice. Oh, I ended up talking about the road trek. I'm talking about everything about my own life, but not the fucking tree that I want to pay somebody to fix. Jesus, how stupid is that, too? So I'm stupider than the guy with the fucking leaf blower. Honest. Now, Nalco was in the house the whole time. As soon as he leaves, she comes out. And she looks, I pointed, oh, well, he wants to cut. He says to take off that branch there that's leaning over the roof. And uh, maybe some of those that are leaning down over here, uh, and it'll be $450. And, you know, I'm happy if anything's under $1,000, but this is only part of the job. And Nalco, quite rightly, looks up at the tree and says, well, what about that branch? Well, what about if he took this whole limb off here that's the one that's leaning on the power line? And she's asking all the right questions, but of me, he's just left. So there's another communication problem. You know, I should have I should have done, honey, the tree guy's here. That's what I should have done. <laughs> I did. Why didn't I do that, honey? The tree guy's here. <laughs> it would have been so much more intelligent. It would have been such. And then she would have asked the questions. She's good at that kind of thing. So of course. You know, I go in, all right, well, pay him four fifty. Yeah, you're going to take that one and that one. She's got all these other questions. So now I've got to go back to the drawing board and say, oh, well, my wife was thinking about this. It, You know, God damn. It's no wonder nothing gets done. And maybe nothing will get done. Maybe we'll wait till next spring, you know. But my worry is this branch is growing right over the roof. A couple have fallen into the eaves troughs already. That this could be a problem with a winter storm. Like, let's get this done. But now I'm reluctant. If he's only gonna, if we're gonna spend four fifty, only for a couple of things, and then Uncle's pointing. Well, what about this one and this one? 
you know. So, it, you know, I guess it's progress in that I arranged for somebody to come over and get a number. But, um, gosh, you know, maybe now is the time I really should call somebody else and get a proper quote from a proper tree company and see what somebody else has to say. That's what would make sense, right? Get another quote. Get somebody else. This guy's doing it as a hobby. Maybe find somebody who's actually has is is in the business. This guy's in the business kind of as a sideline. He had good reviews on uh, neighbors or whatever it is in my local neighborhood. Oh, God, now he's got the more out. Uh, anyway, so I feel a little frustrated about that. Like, oh, okay. This would have been better had Nalco been there. And now, what do I do next? So what I did is I took some pictures, and I thought, oh, I can get the pictures, roll them up on my computer, circle around, say, what about this, what about this, and send it to him and say, you know, maybe this one should come down too. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to do. I'm just useless at these things. I really am. And it, and, but stupid me, I'm wasting time sort of almost putting a picture up of what a swell guy I am. And I'll tell you why I did that. Because a friend, uh, somebody I've hired to teach my uh, Kamajo students, the girls who come from Japan every summer, or did, now that that's over with, as of 2019, they ain't no more. Um, he sent me a picture of me, big picture, wonderful, very large, huge picture, that's in the Scarborough Town Center outside Sport Check um, as part of this project. And if you listen to this podcast regularly, you will have heard, gee, months ago, me being interviewed by a young lady who I was quite taken with, an, an artist, a singer, performance artist, I guess, uh, who was assigned to interview me and another person from my church and then other artists in the local Scarborough neighborhood were commissioned to interview a total of eight members from the church. So this young lady, uh, with a name with no vowels, S-H-A-S-H-Q-L, maybe there's a D in there, I don't know. Um, anyway, she interviewed me, and then I never heard anything more again. And then I remember last weekend I went up to the mall, and he said, oh, this thing is opening now, and I didn't see anything. But I guess I didn't go far enough, and I missed this uh, installation. So I'm going to have to go back and take a look. Because uh, it was kind of interesting. And she wrote a little poem that went with it. And I don't know if that was the entirety uh, for the maybe two or three times she interviewed me. Whether that was what led to... This particular poem, I'll read it to you. Uh, there is a vowel. The universe winks and shows to the ones that do not oppose their calling. I kind of like that. The universe winks and shows to the ones that do not oppose their calling. So their calling, I guess that's a plural for universe. Or maybe the person who's being called. The ones, yeah, the ones that do not oppose their calling. They're being called, maybe. So it's either the universe calling, or that's the there, the universe is calling, or 
the person is being called by the universe. Anyway, afterwards they sent a photographer out, and it's a very flattering, very nice picture. It was in a sunny day. I'm sitting on the deck. I'm clean-shaven, wearing a nice shirt my son bought me from uh, Bali, and the trees are sort of out of focus in the background. It, it's a wonderful picture, and it's, it looks quite large. Uh, the poem by S-H-Q-D-E-L. S-H-Q-D-E-L. Pronounce that just as it sounds. Or just as it looks. Anyway, it's it was a, a kind of a neat surprise. So I wrote back to my son in Vancouver and said, Gee, it's been a good day for your year for your dad. I've had two books printed and published. Um, I was awarded the Bob Goyetsch uh, Community Award for podcasting. And uh, I'm one of the uh, people in this art installation at Scarborough Town Center. So, hey, 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 waving my flag, fly that freak flag high. And meanwhile, uh, getting very nice feedback, interesting feedback, from uh, a person called Dale, who I met at uh, exactly four years ago in Lowell, Massachusetts, for the uh, Kerouac um, gathering. And um, my good friends in Vancouver just uh, delivered the book to him, and he read a couple of uh, stories and posted things, and it was uh, kind of funny. I like this one. Um, He read a story that I had called Inheritors of Kerouac's Ideas. So I'd like to read his comments, and this is in relation to Waiting for Now, Volume 2. Ha! So I did start with Inheritors of Kerouac's Ideas. Whoa! A young Ken Bowl in Africa with two things on his mind. I think I may have named this letter Degeneration of a White Man in Africa. Great place to start! Exclamation mark. Reminds me of the joke. I spend most of my money on women and booze, and the rest I just waste. (laughs) And that captures the letter perfectly. It really, really does. Um, And then later on, he read another letter. So just for a little balance, I just read This Earthly Paradise from basically the same place and time as the other, but written to family. Amazingly, it sounds like it was written by a person with some intellect and less like a one-eyed cat peeping in a seafood store. And um, I confess... I had sort of forgotten what that meant and uh, looked it up and uh, was refreshed. And it's the perfect, the perfect way. Uh, Dale is just, Dale is a marvelous guy. Um, a very, very special character. He's been on the bus, the uh, uh, the further bus, uh, I guess, that Zane Kesey organized. Uh, Ken Kesey's son, of course. And um, travels a lot to things related to the Beats and the Grateful Dead, and I guess the hippies, you'd say, uh, and is just a fine guy. His um, father was an artist in uh, Quebec. So anyway, uh, it was just um, just delightful to get some feedback on it. So there you go, boys and girls. Hey, if you haven't got your copy yet, what the hell? Why not? Hey. Um, it's just, uh, I, I got a lot, I got a lot of extra copies, 
So if you haven't got any of them, you can get both for $35. Contact me, you know. DixonJanes at gmail.com and uh, say, hey, Ken, how can we arrange a hand over here? I don't want to pay the shipping, but uh, can you get them to me somehow? And I'll say, well, where do you live? I'll see what I can do. All right. So I guess I'll stop there. That's probably enough. 16 minutes to get started on this. Uh, This is a Sunday. On Saturday, I'm going to be at another cottage. So maybe I'll finish this before I get up to that cottage in keeping with my weekly... uh, podcast or maybe i'll wait till after when i've got something more to say yeah third wednesday no thursday i gotta go see this installation i'll talk about that uh later on when i see it up at scarborough town center and um i've got to take my road trek in for servicing on thursday that's the 14th four days from now so uh yeah there'll be more this will be this will be this will be done Scarborough Dude signing off. Bye for now. And uh, no, we will not hear from Chicken, but we will ring the bell. Yeah, that's crap. Yeah, <clears throat> it's the same day I'm back. It's still Sunday. It's about quarter to six. Uh, I took my new walking poles out for a walk, as I knew I should do, and did 20 minutes around uh, Bluffers Park, sat down for ooh, less than 10 minutes, and then did another 10 minutes. So 30 minutes total, uh, just to get used to them and get some exercise, you know, and get myself going again. I paid 100 bucks for this pair of poles, so uh, I've got to make it worthwhile. I can't afford just saying, eh, that's no fun. i got to do it. Um, but I have another message I want to convey, and uh, I'll explain maybe later why it's important. I posted a picture um, on uh, Instagram of some kids. There were four little girls, and I guess they ranged in age, I don't know, maybe... 12 to 4, something in there, 4 to 12. Um, Maybe the same family, maybe not. Uh, But they had a wagon, and they were taking turns pushing it and tipping it over and and going down a hill and into the grass. And they were having the most delightful time. And the smiles. I haven't seen smiles like that on children that I can remember since I was in Nigeria. When, like, faces just light up. And, and maybe it was the brown skin. Just there is something radiating from just the happiness of those children. It felt so good. I was, I was, it was time out. I was sitting on a bench. And this just was taking place in front of me. So I posted a really nice picture. Um, just sort of caught the light on their hair, you know, lit up. And the expressions on their face, one girl pushing and the others inside, a little bit nervous. Oh, we're going too fast. It, it was just, it was joyful. I said it sparks joy. When I come to Bluffers Park, there's always something that sparks a little joy. And this was it. It was so nice to see. There was another scene just before that of, uh, there's a steep hill. Well, I can go up, but I can't go down. It hurts my knee going down, but coming up is okay. But there was a little boy who had been crying earlier. I saw him earlier in the park at another area, and he was crying, and his sister didn't seem to care very much. Send him home. 
but his mother was with him and he was on a tricycle and it's a steep hill. And if she had let him go, like I know she would not keep up with that tricycle itself if, if it if it went with him on it. She would not be able to run fast enough downhill to catch it. Um, and she said, do you want to go down? Do you want to go down? And we're sort of tempting him. And I'm, I'm there and I'm thinking, no, listen, that kid is really small. I mean, he was like a, a two-year-old or something, maybe, not quite three, I don't know. But there's no way his feet could turn the pedals or put brakes on. He didn't have that degree of maneuverability on this little tricycle. Um, and he knew enough. I was so pleased that he knew enough to get off. No, no. You don't want to go down? No. And he just climbs off the bike. Like, he could look. And I was really impressed. I think he understood the odds of him having an accident far better than the the mother or aunt or whoever she was had an idea of because... Yeah. Anyway, I wanted to, I stood there. I kept turning around. I wanted to say something. Oh, he's a very clever young man. If he's not going to go down that hill, like point out, don't, hey, you know, don't, don't call him a baby for not doing it. My God, the kid saved his head. Anyway, that was another story. I didn't have to share that one. I'm sorry, but it, it made an impact on me. And then before that, Falun Gong, just three people and the sign said, Falun Gong, free to join. And there was just three people doing exercises in their spot. And you go back. I'm going backwards, backwards down this trail. Huge area of what I'm guessing were Filipino community. Because you're, you know, there were mixed races. But they were all together celebrating something. I saw a sign and just said 50 or 50 years. Uh, and probably some community association. And they they had rented... Or booked. You don't rent. You book one of the big uh, covered areas with like six, eight picnic tables underneath a shelter. They have several throughout Thompson Park. Uh, so that was that group. And they were having fun. I was watching little girls playing together. You know, one in a party dress, you know, and the other one just in whatever. But kids playing. There was a community, a sense of community. And then you go back and you see... Um, Others clearly, you know, I don't know, identify them as, as uh, Arabic or Muslim. I, I, I don't know, other than what the women were wearing. But sitting in a circle, you know, and just, this is Thanksgiving holiday. Here's a place to go. We got a whole park nearby. The parking lot was full of cars. And it was just nice to see. And it was a real sense yeah, I can honestly say I don't think I saw another white person there. This is Canada. This is Scarborough. This is the new face of Canada. This is not the Dixon James Reader Canada that uh, of my youth. This is the new face of Canada, and Scarborough in particular. And it's wonderful. And I was telling my son about it, and he said, "Yeah, that's great." Um, it just, it just, I just left feeling good. I mean, everybody was getting along. Everybody was happy. Nobody's bothering. The groups weren't necessarily mixing, but they certainly there was no animosity anywhere. There was no anger. It was more normally parents with children, and of course, there was an ice cream truck parked there and people getting treats. It's it, it just, it's wonderful. And I said I'd 
I'd say all that because last night I watched a movie on Netflix called, uh, I guess, um, is it Lansky? The notorious, horrible owner of many nightclubs in Las Vegas, um, the gangster, the 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 hit, the the man, the killer, uh, who died out, not in jail. He died on his own in 1985, maybe. And it was a movie, sort of a, a set-up movie based on true stories, but the plot line was there was a writer who was separated from San, needed money. This guy, Lansky, trusted him to tell his story. But the brutality and the violence, and when I see things like that, it's very hard to let go of because you know this is a reality. Like there's a scene when he was Jewish, emigrated from Russia. Um, and so there was a neo-Nazi rally in New York, I think. And they went in with a bunch of his goons and mafia thugs and beat the shit out of the Germans. Well, normally people would just applaud that good. But there was a degree of nastiness of like, you know, eyes being poked out and, and people... And then it went on from there that, hey, I'm a businessman, you know, it's it's all, it's just business. It didn't matter how many people he killed and had killed uh, and not necessarily in pleasant ways, like not just a, a shot to the head, maybe much, much worse. <coughs> the claim was, God, I'm sharing that, and I shouldn't be sharing this because it's probably depressing to you too, um, a scene where... The CIA, maybe there wasn't a CIA in wartime, uh, before the CIA, I guess. Um, and I forget what it's called, but I've known, I've read the histories. Uh, there are German saboteurs and spies working as longshoremen and in, at the ports and harbors, giving information. And we know this is true. And they made a deal with the mafia, supposedly, to... Um, take care of it. Take care of it for us. And, of course, again, they did, and there were some more horrific scenes of getting information from these so-called spies. Uh, it just, it was so horrific. It was so bloody awful. And it makes me think about the greater reality, the bigger reality that that is in the world. I live within this bubble. Bluffers Park, or Thompson Park today, was a bubble. This is a safe place. These are safe times. These are, nobody was starving there. Nobody had a gun. Nothing bad is happening there. This is a place for families. And that just isn't the way it is in so much of the world. And I think about politicians, uh, people who work for the city, and how many of them are sort of under a little bit of pressure to, to pad contracts or let padded contracts go through. For example, anything that happens in Montreal in the construction industry, there are groups that have control over cranes and cement trucks and everything that happens. We've seen all this before in other documentaries and shows that um, um, if you want something built, 
these are the people you're going to have to pay off. And then you just bring other people in, and if they don't play fair, somebody lets them know, we know what school your children go to. And a lot of the world runs on that. You think of little restaurants and bars that are doing well, and suddenly somebody's going to come and say, hey, you got a lot of inventory here. You don't want to lose that, would you? My guy will be around, uh, you know, the end of the month, just taking his care for a little protection money. Now, maybe that's not, maybe most bars don't have to do that, but those thoughts, those ideas that nobody is really safe, that that people who are evil, people who don't value individual human lives, people who have no moral ethics, people who play by very nasty rules, have an awful lot of power in this world. And and I've often thought of, well, what would it be like to actually, to talk to, say, the President of the United States or a, a high-up senator or somebody who really wields some real power in Washington and ask them, what, what do you know about how things really work, about who really has control, you know, and what maybe you're afraid of or just don't talk about? Like, what's, what's this other level of reality outside the bubble really like? And and it's it's frightening, and so I just I should not be watching shows like that. I should not uh, at all be uh, you know exposing myself to things that really we there depressing. War is it? War is a little easier to take, in, in spite of all the horrors that go on with war. Um. Yeah, maybe I no, I take that back. I mean, I think of Vietnam and so on. I guess we have some idealized images of war for a noble cause, but you think about evolution, you know, evolution, and and you look at the animal world kingdom and and how people survive, and there are humans who live by the same sort of rules. It's survival of the fittest, the toughest, the meanest, the nastiest, the cruelest, and yet so many of us can live our entire lives sheltered inside this safe bubble. And we don't want to give it up. We don't want to leave it. We don't want to poke a hole in it. We don't want those other people in here. But I don't know. I don't know. There's maybe no conclusion to that other than me saying, just ring the fucking bell and stop. You've already ruined the podcast for everybody else. Uh, Maybe some of your thoughts. Maybe some of you would like to give me your version of a reality check. Uh, I guess the reason I started with the Bluffers Park was that, or uh, Thompson Park, was it was just so nice to see all that degree of safety and comfort. Scarborough Dude, signing out. I'll, I'll end with something better, I promise. Bye for now. Ding, ding, dong. Sorry, forgot the uh, bell in the car. Oh, boy. Welcome back. You may, uh, you, you may not enjoy this particular podcast, uh, but I got to do it. I got to do what I got to do. It's Wednesday, October 13th, 12.30 in the afternoon. 
And uh, I'm sitting in a spot <laughs> that's really got a bad vibe to it. It's an absolutely beautiful trail through the woods behind the University of Toronto Scarborough campus. Uh, the reason I don't like it, well, is two. Number one, my wife had her wallet lost here, and I guess maybe stolen from the car. But it was just many, many years ago, and it was a huge headache just getting all the papers. So I can't drive my here without remembering the fuss about uh, trying to replace everything she lost. It's number one. And number two, this is also the woods and the hiking area where uh, Paul Bernardo raped some women. I, I can't remember how many. Uh, he was the... Uh, the Scarborough rapist, but he never got charged for that because he was charged later on for the murder of the two schoolgirls. And his wife, Carla Homolka, got off because uh, they needed her evidence. She cut a deal, and then only later did they find videos showing that she was involved in the murders. And uh, she just got a new lease on life. She's in somewhere outside Montreal now with children, remarried. And that seems an injustice, but uh, just ugh, it's a, it's a horrible story and the whole thing. And for the families of the two schoolgirls, you know, it's you know they go through this when every time his um, time for parole comes up, and I don't think he'll ever get out. He was one of the last prisoners in Kingston Penitentiary. Anyway, it's a horrific story. But I just happened to be driving by the area. I needed to stop. I didn't want to go to Bluffers Park or to Thompson Park today. And the things I was going to talk about are ugly anyway. I, I think earlier on I was talking about evil and the meanness in, in people. And I'd watched that uh, pseudo-documentary on, you know, mafia crime and the horrors inflicted on people. Last night I watched um, a, a new documentary on uh, Afghanistan, and now that the uh, uh, it's been taken over by the Taliban and the treatment of, or mistreatment of women and any girl you know, after grade six, they're not allowed an education. And and there's also talk of. Uh, some famine, and, and they need international help. Well, here you got a government ruled by mullahs and following the edicts and everything else that's in the Koran, which to me is not a way to run a country, but uh, to them it is. And now there's a cry for help. Oh, the Western nations, the poor, they have to help out, have to feed the starving. Well, they're saying don't don't give any money until there's some proof that women will be treated fairly and equally and be able to get an education. You know, and I can't understand, well, why would you not want to have women doctors and nurses and teachers? And Well, you can't because it's a primitive fucking religion if you follow the holy books, the Quran. It's just fucking stupid. And uh, I know I've said this before. I'll say it again, and there's no room for cultural relativism or anything else. This is just fucking plain wrong and stupid and pig-headedness uh, where men have total control over women. 
It's just wrong. So there's another, you know, another reason for me to be angry at the human race and males in particular. Um, the other thing, and I, I was talking to a friend today how I, I would not go to a strip club today or take any pleasure at all because a lot of the women are simply owned by biker gangs or criminal organizations and there's got to be a tragic story. The, the one odd story of a woman strips to put herself through college, well, those are, I think, few and far between. The majority are people who are basically owned or, you know, under the control of nasty people. And uh, I couldn't help but think that if ever I went to a place where I watched a woman take off her clothes for money in a bar. What's the story behind that that woman? What's what's her true story? But uh, so basically, the things I might have talked about in in my youth that would have been fun and exciting would not be that way. Now I'm a different person. We're constantly redefining ourselves, and uh, this particular Ken Bowles, uh, all against any kind of abuse of of women. Uh, of any human, but uh, it's women are easier targets. <sighs> I've written, I guess I wrote, I was going to send out a tweet last night and I held back, I don't know why. It, it read, any ideology or religion that bans females from studying is just fucking primitive. Unfortunately, the men behind this mindset will forever be pig-headedly stupid and ignorant. Okay, there you go. I'm on a lot of websites uh, for Coronation Street, Canadian Coronation Street, so because they don't want the British one because they're we're, they're two weeks ahead. So only Canadian ones, no spoilers allowed. And, of course, even on these sites, it's unbelievable the differences people have on one particular scene or actor and the amount of squabbling and, and dissing and, and arguing that goes on. You're like, oh, my God. If this is true for a, a TV soap, what hope there is there for mankind? Like, they, they get nasty. And sometimes it's humor, but it's just, yeah, we're fundamentally different. The other one I'm on is, is for Ontario Parks. And the arguments that go on there about what's right and wrong, and that one's even worse because there's some values about what it means to be a good camper and and the differences of you know what should be done and what should not be done and you think how do we how do we even govern ourselves how do we even manage as well as we're doing you know, here in Canada for example when there are just so many different opinions outlooks values morals it's uh, it's just it, it just seems hopeless all right, that was all the notes I had for this particular podcast, number 865. I guess that frees me up to talk about anything. And uh, what do I want to talk about after that? There's, there's just, it, it was so down. I'm glad I've just spent the past hour with a friend from church who bought the second copy of my book. He wanted to pay me 20. I insisted on giving him back five. Thanks very much. He said, you should be making money from this, but... Uh, you know, isn't there some way you've got to sell thousands? And I'm saying, hey, if I sell 50 copies of each book, I'll be very lucky. Um, and he's saying, no, you need you need a publisher. You need somebody else. Because in his mind, and I'm 
very grateful to hear this. It is worthwhile. It is interesting. And the people who have bought the book find it interesting. So if you out there are a listener and have some advice or know somebody I should talk to to get better advice about how I could actually sell these books and make a little money, by God, wouldn't that be nice? And wouldn't wouldn't that make my wife happy and my home life a lot more pleasant? Uh, Well, no, that's an exaggeration there. A lot more pleasant. What am I talking about? I didn't even talk about the wonderful Thanksgiving dinner Nalco prepared for us. Uh, Much to my surprise, uh, every everything was fabulous. You know, she's been tired from work and worn out, and now with the dental problems uh, that she goes in for tomorrow, at the same time I have to go drive to Kitchener to get the road track taken care of. Um, she's been finding it hard, but she went out of her way on uh, Thanksgiving Day, on the Thanksgiving Monday, to prepare just an unbelievably good meal that we all enjoyed. I don't know. I don't know if I've got anything left to say now. I, I've let out a lot of... Part of this podcast, you know, is just to for me to let out the venom, to, to, to bleed a little bit, to get rid of things. And I, I still haven't entirely this business of the, the true horror of the world. I mean, that show in Afghanistan, they... They had a guy, he might have been ISIS and not Taliban, I don't know. It was an, a rival faction. They talk about how um, the different factions are fighting within Afghanistan now uh, and always will be over the proper interpretation of religion. Of course, bombs being put in churches, suicide bombers in churches of the of the wrong interpretation of Islam, and I've even forgotten the terms now. I'm sorry for my own ignorance, but it, it just it just doesn't make sense to me. And here was a guy saying, well, yeah, they tell us it's wrong to torture, but we have to torture. It's the only way we can get information, you know. And he was doing it. This was a, a mullah, a man with power. Total, total, total indifference to the suffering of people who caught who they thought were spies and therefore they had to torture them to find out. And I, they didn't go into specifics, but it was just this matter of fact, yeah, of course, uh, what else can we do? We need the information. So we torture men. And and just that. These people, they should not be alive on this planet. Like, Will we ever get to a time in the future of mankind where there is love and caring and sharing and peace and brotherhood and sisterhood planet-wide, what will it take? And when you think of it, you don't think that our form of democracy is going to be the, the system that's going to do it. It's going to be some totalitarian form that's going to have none of those things. It's going to be ruthless, brutal, power to have control over the planet. Today I listened to, and i got to give a shout out to uh, Jesse on um, Canada Land. This is a podcast, Canadian podcast, a news, a news alternative, and he's very good. Um, I haven't done anything to financially support him, but I do listen, and I'm giving a shout out now to... Uh, anybody looking for for a different spin on the news and stories. He sometimes has Jan Wong on, which is wonderful. 
Uh, she's a story in herself. Somebody who I guess was a revolutionary, maybe when she went over to China in the 70s and has since reformed and has a different perspective. And he he did back-to-back episodes on uh, the COVID story of whether it was it a lab leak or even possibly intentional or was it just from the market in Wuhan where this thing started. And And to his credit, you know, he gave both and sort of tried to say, well, you've got to, how, how can we possibly judge who has the truth here? There's just so many conflicting stories, which is in itself interest, an interesting perspective for a, for a news outlet. Um, but it, it, it made you think, man, what if, what if there were people who are actually trying to come up with um, viruses that would target maybe specific types of people. Maybe if if they knew enough about genetic makeup to to say put it into all Asian people, or the reverse, all Asian people would be protected from this virus. If if there was something in the genome that knew enough to identify what is the DNA that makes you Asian or Caucasian or or whatever. Now, anybody with any knowledge, I'm sure, will probably poo-poo that right away. But it's linked into this thing of who's going to dominate the world. Right now, China is flexing its muscles, doing flyovers over Taiwan, saying, this is ours. And Taiwan saying, help, help, we're a democracy here, we need help. And China, you know, there there is a... Um, Maybe I mentioned earlier, and I'm sorry, but I'm going to repeat myself on the chance that I didn't, a, a statue at the University of Hong Kong, a commemoration, yeah, for the uh, the dead in, in the uh, Tiananmen Square when the Chinese army came in full on and massacred a lot of students. And now there's been orders, the University of Hong Kong has given orders for the people who made this statue to get rid of it. you got one week. And uh, people saying, Jan Wong in particular, there's the link, saying, hey, this should be a, a big international news story. Who's giving those orders and why? Uh, so, this, <laughs> I laugh because my conclusion is there's an awful lot to be depressed about. And um, that that's unfortunate. Now, I see two old people just barely moving with walking sticks. And they're not putting anything into those sticks. The sticks are just like an accessory. When I walk, I sort of try to put some weight onto them. And and they're just sort of, they're just poking with them. But I guess maybe it helps their balance. But they've made the walk. And I realize, okay, that's what I have to do today. If I have anything proper to do to make better use of my time than podcasting, I have to get the poles out of my car. They're right here. I have no excuse. They're like a reminder. And they're older than me. Um, And my job now is to go back to my car and get the walking poles and uh, take a bit of a hike here. So Scarborough Dude signing off. I don't know how much I've said. I don't know how much I've done. I don't know what I've given you. Um, I just do know it's not been very pleasant um, for me the the topics I've talked about and and for anybody who's listening, um, I don't know that this is the end. Maybe I'll find a song or something to end with, something a little cheerier. Yeah, I've got some new CDs in the car 
from Mojo. Maybe I'll find something that uh, will brighten things up a bit. Or give some hope. Or maybe I figure, no, go all the way and just depress everybody. <laughs> Scarborough Dude signing off from uh, the park. That is, uh, gee, I could check in right now on Swarm. Where am I, Swarm? Scarborough Village, UT, University of Toronto, Scarborough Campus Valley. Uh, yeah, that would be it. So I will do that. I will just check in without pictures or anything else. Oh, when was the last time you were here? September 12th, 2021, August 4th. September 12th, no, Jesus. May 8th, I'm going to go back to May, June, July, August. May 8th, correct, 25 coins. There you go. Scarborough Dude, signing off. Bye for now. Run, run, run. Yeah. Everybody's got us, got us. 
Some people lost some bread. Someone nearly died. Someone just died. Police, they come, how me they come. Confusion everywhere. Seven minutes later, all don't cool down, brother. Police don't go away, army don't disappear. Them leave sorrow, tears and blood. Them regular trademark. Them leave sorrow, tears and blood. Them regular trademark. Them regular trademark. Them regular trademark. That is why everybody run, run, run. Everybody scatter, scatter. Someone nearly died. Some people lost some bread. Someone just died. Police, they come, I mean, they come. Confusion everywhere. Seven minutes later, all don't go down, brother. Police don't go away. I mean, don't disappear. Them live sorrow, tears, and blood. Them regular trade, Them live sorrow, tears, and blood. Them regular trademark. Them regular trademark. La 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 la. My people say they fear too much. We fear for the thing we no see. We fear for the air around us. We fear to fight for freedom. We fear to fight for liberty. We fear to fight for justice. One child, my mother for house, my party for house, I won't build a house, I don't build a house, I know I won't quench, I won't enjoy, I know I won't go. Uh. So policeman go slap your face, you know go talk. I mean man go weep your yash, you go they look like donkey. Rhodesia, they do them own our leaders, they have for nothing. South Africa, they do them own. Them live sorrow, tears, and blood. Them regular trademark. 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 Regular trademark. That is why everybody run, run, run. Everybody scatter, scatter. Some people lost some bread. Someone nearly died. Yeah. Police, they come, I mean, they come. Yeah. Confusion everywhere. Yeah. Ah, and so, time when they go, time no wait for nobody. Like that. Ah, but police go to come, I mean, go to come with confusion in style. Like this. Everywhere. Uh, seven minutes later, all 